0: Back to talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. I've got a great episode ahead. I've got Garth from the Hood, Wood, coming on the show. Garth's an absolute champion bloke. You know, great athlete, too. He played in the NRL for both the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Balmain Tigers. He's had a stunning transformation in the ring. You know, he was down on his luck and, you know, you know, pretty much on the street. And then his fortune changed. He won the contender. He became the first Australian to not only beat Anthony Mundine, but knock him out. He's quite the character. He's got some great stories. I really appreciate Garth coming on the show and, you know, sharing his stories with everyone. You know, today marks Are You OK Day and Garth's actually an ambassador of Are You OK Day? With men's mental health being, you know, out in the the public at the moment. You know, it is a major sort of issue in our society and I think it's something that you know, all of us, both men and women, have to get better at about speaking about our feelings and things like that. So, Garth's going to share a few different stories about, you know, the mental challenges that he faced and how he got himself out of that and even some of the issues he still faces today. And it's it's one of those things it's always going to be a constant battle, but it's all about setting your goals really, really high and when an opportunity comes, really taking it with both hands. So, I'm really glad to get Garth on the show. So, being R-U-OK Day make sure you check out their website www.ruok.org.au please check it out please support it i think it's a great cause and Garth's a great ambassador before we get garth on the show big thank you to everyone tuning in and leaving five star reviews on itunes i really appreciate it best way for me to grow the show is continue to you know tell your family and friends about the show and you know i'll keep bringing on great people like garth wood but without further ado i introduce Garth Wood. Alright guys, my special guest is Garth Wood. Garth is an Australian professional boxer and rugby league player. He was a 2009 Contender Boxing Series champion and he's also the first Australian to defeat and also knock out three-time world champion Anthony Mundine. A great athlete, Garth played also in the NRL for the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Balmain Tigers. I welcome the man, Garth Wood. Garth, welcome to the show, bud. GK, thanks for having me. It's a
1: pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Nice yeah,
0: little a... rub there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, how good's your profile, mate? But, you know, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Like I, I told you, when we connected, I always see you down at the woolumaloo PCYC training a few clients there. And it, it still shows that, you know, you're passing it on all your skills to you know, to your clients and they seem to be having such a good time. So, congratulations on a great career. Are you are you officially retired, guys?
1: Mate, more than likely. I couldn't see myself coming back unless it was a big fight and to be honest, I'm 39 now. I'll be 40 next year and even though, you know, you're still I'm still a kid at heart. I love training, but for me to go back to middleweight, no way in the chance in the world. Like I was losing nearly 16 to 17 kilos each fight and only because contender like Canberra, come along out of the blue. Well, I don't get me wrong. I damaged a fault, and uh, I was always in and out of the gym near down. Police force was just, you know, the best thing. With the kids in the area back in the day when I was a kid, I lived in Alexandria in the eighties, and um, the, the good thing about living in Alexandria in the eighties, that's how much like sports orientated. So I lived yeah. on Mitchell Road. Swans had the home ground of Virko back then, and then. South were up the hill, or when I say up the hills, about a 2-3k run to Redford, Redford Oval, South City Rabbitohs, but more than anything, I think my old man pushed me and my brother, which was good, tough love, but he was always on our case about, come on, we'll go on the police boys, because Johnny Lewis was a real good mate of his, and I think Jeff Fennec idolised that, because Dad played for Newtown South and North, and Dad was yeah. Newtown halfback, yeah. Jeff loved his footing. So all close to home, though more or less family more or less like life, Jeff, just with the way of his uh, mentality and his determination I don't think you'll ever find oh I've never seen anyone quite as fit as him and hard driven sort of thing so that always had me when we come out from school come on let's go we're going for us I'd have to run from Alexandria to Newtown Police Boys and I think he knew back then because um, it was such a tough neighbourhood that we had to learn how to handle ourselves was not be a bully or pick a fight or anything but more times than any, I was getting picked at fight, picked at school, you know, just regardless oh you're Barry Woodson. and dad was a good footballer, yeah. and the kids, kids, are Barry Woodson, and he's a this and that, so we're all good target. We're always get picked on, and it was a tough school, Alexander Primary. It was mainly Aboriginals, eighty five percent of them, but they're all our mates. But again, all five you got picked on school.
0: too, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I got picked on big time, and dad. Um, I of kept a secret between me and my mum and then mum couldn't help herself. And Dad said to me, mate, I don't want to find out that you've caught up in a ball. If I find out that you've shit yourself, you're an alien to me. So I went to school the next day and just was petrified more about Dad finding out that I will shit myself because it was quite intimidating back then. And I lost the plot and uh, threw a couple of chairs and whatnot and then I got suspended. <laughs> and Dad said, mate, listen, I okay not you up to yourself. He goes, but you won't be chucking chairs or phone tables anyway. anyone. You know, because I come up the police was with me and Johnny, going to show you how to hold your hands up. But you're not going to be a bully or pick fights, but if anything goes down, at least you can handle yourself. So I fell in love with boxing way back then because there was the likes of Jeff Benning, Jeff Harding, who was both world champions at the time, and then along come a guy and then uh, that bottom then the zoo. So I'd knock off school at three o'clock and I'd be out the gate printing up a go just to get to our uh, Police Boys to see all the great legends spar because that was around the same time that I had have spar at 2.30 or 3 o'clock and I'd be mesmerised I'd sit on the apron and just watch Johnny Lewis and just there's so many blacks that walked into that police boys and I'm sure Johnny's uh, Jeff's one of them it could have either went one way you know jail or you know who knows whatever because you know, it's that, that neighbourhood there's so many uh, you know, growing up as a kid, there's either every, uh, two out of three blokes were a criminal activity or a gangster, so everyone wanted to be a tough mm-hmm. guy. But then you had sport as well, so it was easily to be uh, a fork in the road, so should, should I go that way. So Johnny Lewis has been a great influence in that area, and my dad knew too well, because he'd grown up in the area, that you have to have a man figure or some sort of idol and the environment that you live in tells a lot about who you are and where you're going. So I suppose was a big saviour or it's a good place to go to for any kid I reckon. I don't think there's enough of them around today. So given the, the kids have so much energy and they can either go in a negative or a positive but there's got to be more of an outlet for kids to just let go of their stresses and their energies because otherwise it can play a big part in them getting on the wrong side of the law.
0: Yeah, Garth, would you agree? Because I remember my parents did the same thing, you know, boxing, karate. They put me and my brother through. And I felt because I knew how to fight, I didn't need to fight. Did you kind of feel the same way?
1: Mate, you know what? Me and my brother was... My dad... My dad's been around, right? And he's... Tough love. He's a hard old... He's, He's getting on now, but different era compared to today. Like, it was just... Never be a mug, never be a smart ass, but if anyone puts shit on you, fucking make sure you back it up. Because if if folks school playground or even jail, someone picks you, you turn the water, they're just going to be picking you all day. So you sort of stand your ground and not go looking for trouble, but just treat everyone with respect the same way you want to be treated, but quick, quick, smart, you know, care if someone puts shit on you.
0: Mm. When did you actually start playing footy? I
1: played footy grade. Um, I no, before
0: it. that Like between that Obviously you as started Boxing first Yeah, as a kid
1: As a kid I was It was I'd like play or box You know, because it come with the territory If you're a good footballer Everyone loved you They wanted you in their team But if you're just On the fringe You know It was you always good There was this Everyone was There was all different gangs Every different Like I grew up in Alexandria And then you had to get To the police boys uh Now like McDonald's station, but like, it was all a different bunch of gangs, so it was always handy that I would be like, not that it was a gang, I was in a gang, me and my brother always stuck together but it was always handy to ever be around the environment of boxing so you know, have some sort of idea someone going to help you out, but I just that took a shine to fighting because it was competitive and Jeff Fennig was my idol I wanted to be Jeff Fennig, Jeff Fanning was three time world champion and just the way, like, we from going to the police boys and then we had so many different characters tony mcgay had steve, uh, steve mortimer peter sterling peter tunks and that all be in the gym at the same time and there was just a wall of professional athletes in that. and then after training we'd all go to a and have a massive game of touch
0: yeah and nice. it
1: was that competitive and it was just funny blakes were bagging each other but the banner was enormous but there was also a blake was Brian Chickamore, we played for Australia at Newtown, it was my dad's best mate. And he was more or less the bloke around the police boys. And I remember going to Camp Mackay, which was ran for the police for the students' youth club. But when I walked in the police boys that sort of you know it's pretty gone now, respect for your elders and that my dad said, If you ever get out of line, I've already given Brian Chickamore permission to kick up the arse. <laughs> and like many, many times, I was cheeky like, oh, you and know, I pushed the envelope. But Chick was, "Hey, get here!" But he just had a sort of swagger, and he was the sort of guy that you knew not the mess of him. He was bald, but he was a great athlete. He played for Australia, played for New Zealand. He was a giant, but he could run. You know, I think he was close to him and his brother. Could we're both real good track stars as kids, and they were from of Alexander. And so everyone was pretty tight knit, but. That's how good the community was around that area. A lot of rough and tumble characters, but there's no real uh, getting out of line or cheekiness, you know what I mean? If, you, know, yeah. you pay your dues if you, you know, if you got out of line. Like my dad said, mate, I've already told him you can kick up the ass and no being the smarter. So I think it played a big lesson in who we are today, me and my brother, growing up in that community. And it's just a shame that there's not much... Not many place players around. I'll do is there's the Wollumaloo, but I think they could be doing more for the well, there's
0: not yeah. enough outlets for young kids. Hey, Garth, was it hard to, you know, your brother? He was a superstar coming up through the ranks, and then when he debuted, you know, they were thinking some really big things of Nathan. Was it hard to be his little brother and people kind of putting expectations on you as well?
1: Yeah, big time. I played a major part. I um, I uh, was. What happened? When I debuted at 17, things were going good. I fell in love with my first girlfriend and uh, she was pregnant within six months and then I mm. didn't quite feel, the, I couldn't quite handle the pressures of growing up and being a father when I didn't really know who I was myself and then form sort of went away from my rugby league and then pressures of being a dad. No excuses, but you look at things and you think things happen for a reason because Just got knocked out, got pulled out of the comp, and then I was stuck without a club. So, because I'd always been in love with boxing, I went and had a couple of amateur fights. Um, I think I would have had eight or seven fights. Eight eight fights, one disqualification, and then seven knockouts. But at the same time, um, I had a baby and all boxing or amateur boxing, I was just more concentrating on trying to go to the Commonwealth Games at the time, which was in London or Manchester, I can't remember at the, same, at the right time, but because I had no money coming in and then South comes right back in the comp and they said, oh, i want winning a trial not might get a contract, so I went back to playing footy again and then suddenly enough maybe 205 um, had nowhere else to go and my form sort of went but I was like, I'll and out of South and reserve grade went to the Tigers then come back for a new Year and then went back in the first grade but I wasn't considered a full time first grader so I had a little bit of you know wouldn't you say my expectations of myself or maybe people were looking for me to do the exact same thing as Matt Matt was a gifted athlete pound for pound in his prime I think he was one of the best players or one of the fastest and one of the strongest, he so could actually score a try from anywhere when he first coming to try So there was a bit of pressure. So when I got given the opportunity to come in to contender with such short later late notice, you know all the things that had happened to me in the past regrets, more expecting more of myself. I, mean, I wasn't going to let it. I just had to turn me off round because I also broke up with my misses at that point in time, and I was in a bad state mindset. So. Thing. So I had semi-deaf When you say um, How do you want to put it I don't like going back to the day But yeah, yeah I was pretty I had uh, deaf wish at that point in time Because a girlfriend of mine First girlfriend Two kids and Then like you said You picked it in one I expected more of myself People expected more of myself Given that my dad was my brother And then when Johnny Lewis Gave me a call Probably three days before A contender It was Heaven sent You know what I mean Because I was just Oh damn it! I was down the dumps playing that normal blame game, poor me. But really, I think it was more brought on, brought on by myself. You know, just taking things for granted. And probably things. You know, I couldn't. I can't quite explain it, but it ended up being, you know, heaven sent when Johnny Laws gave me a phone call because it was me a, a chance for me to wash everything and clean me act up and probably uh, get another bite of the cherry, more or less. Because an opportunity yeah. presented itself. at... I stepped in the contender, and made, I was regarded as the biggest underdog in the competition. He had um, three or four top teners in the world, super middleweight. Nader Hammond, Karuz Karayuki, um, Victor Ozonoff, who, for his record, I think it was like 32 fights. Yeah. 30 32 knockouts,
0: knockouts or, 20, or something. Yeah, it's 20,
1: 20, And just, what about my luck? I won my first fight, and then... I had to come up against him. So I could tell you a funny story if you want me to tell you that story about Victor in the contender. Something yeah, you can yeah, have right. a laugh about. <laughs> because he was such, he was one, of, one of the most, I reckon, at that point in time he'd fought a blade called Durrell who was in a Super Six. And more than, more was quite a controversy fight that he had with the bloke. They reckon, he ran dead um, Durrell. Whatever his name is, yeah, Durrell. Because you hit him on the break or something, but he faked an injury. And everyone said, oh, hey, Victor Hoganoff, is the most cheap middleweight in the world. No one wants to fight him because that bloke laid down. So here I am, this novice, only having four or five fights up against Victor Hoganoff off my, my second fight. And so I'm thinking, fuck, what am I going to do here? This bloke, he should be a world champion because I remember watching that fight because the bloke laid down. And then Johnny looks at him and he goes, mate, you know what? fighting this bloke Victor on and off, and, uh, mate, I understand if you don't want to fight him because I don't even think if this bloke wins. Choc will even fight him. Mate, he's a big puncher. <laughs> but he's a typical Russian, you know, he doesn't give a fuck. I said, and mate, where I'd come from, like, oh, it was just a calling call because like, what my kids had seen before I walked into Contender, I was depressed. Mum and Dad were, you know, worried sick because I wasn't coming home. I was, and, Funnily enough, there was a bloke who found dead in the gutter at Down, and my mum and dad rushed to the, uh, uh, New Down Police Station, thinking it was me, because they had seen me yeah. for three or four days, and that's what happened, I yeah. just saw the piece, whatever, the wrong crowd, and then came missing, M.I.A., and then my mum and dad went to New police police, uh, Newtown Police Station thinking it was me, it wasn't me, and then three days later i get caught in, so I'd seen the dark sides, and then, I just thought, this is my chance to turn my life around and try and be, make something of myself and be a role model for my girls. So my girls were my role model. But leading up to this fight, mind you, getting back to the Victor sorry, story, I said to Johnny, I said, mate, I've got nothing else to go back to. This is all I've got. So there's no way I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to find a way to get out of this fight. I said, this is all I've got left in my life, the way I see things. So I'm taking the fight on. He goes, oh, it's done. So he said, wait swept down the, of underneath the rug I oh, mean totally I'm 100% with it. yeah you know what I mean but he give me the option you know <laughs> he talks. you know Drake Lewis yeah, he's yeah. always there for his fighter his fighter comes first and you know he's the best motivator in the world even though I had no idea but my beast you know if someone says I can't do something I'll do all I can to prove them wrong so funnily enough leading up I've been in the, the contender house whatever you want to call it for a week and a half uh I won my first fight or and he roomed again, he roomed next to me and he was mate he was quite a gentleman, you know what I mean? He was a real good bloke trying tried to get to me but then but when I found out, back him up against Victor, Oganoff, he got a record, like, see you, bloke in the world. From that night on mate, I'd go to bed, get sent to your room and you had security guards that weren't let like, wouldn't let you leave the hotel this and that. So I'd walk into the room, i thinking, "Fuck, what am I going to do? How am I going to turn the tables on this bloke? This bloke's a top tenner in the world. And I'm just some down and out kid just trying to turn his life around." Yeah, So it was a rocky moment. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. of all my busted head up because the bloke I fought before had headbutted me. In, my stitches had blew up, busted uh, bust and because I had caught the headbutt in the sparring effort as well. Because when I walked in there, I hadn't trained. It was like rehab for me. And but funnily enough, I won the fitness challenge so I got a week off so I was training we weren't allowed to um, leave the building or some motel I was climbing down the train pipe and going for a road run because even though I knew I was fit I won the fitness challenge I wasn't quite ring fit so yeah, yeah. i was leaving trying to super fit and get my mindset for this victor i off I'd leave the room I'd pump up the radio pump up the TV and I'd go for an hour run so the radio on the TV is blasting and I'd sneak back up the uh, exit doors and I'd walk up the, um, the main like, hall of the river oh, yeah. and I could hear I could hear this big rush of what's going, Gus! you fucking prick, turn off the radio. Turn off the TV, God. I'm going to fucking kill you, God. <laughs> turn off the radio, God. And I'd think to myself, Whoa. fuck, that's not exactly what I want. I only get this bike out of his comfort zone. So he's just going to brawl me because even though he can fight and he's a good boxer, I want to make it a brawl. I want to take him out of his comfort zone. And I don't know. I just didn't know quite know what I was doing, but I just wanted to upset him and just make, with a bloke like that, that class athlete, who was just an absolute but a machine, a monster, regarded around the world. I did this for nearly four or five nights leading up to the fight. And mate, he went from being gentleman to one that absolutely rip my fucking head off and then <laughs> the day covered the fight, he had to get away, he had to get weighed in and he nearly kicked off on the way in. He goes, God, what is your fucking problem? This is not professional. You are amateur and I just got in his head knew straight away, I'm gonna mind fucking him. I said, I'm gonna punch the fuck out of you like this and he was Oh, fuck you okay, we're gonna go and then even the people that were stupid. <laughs> <filmed> the <actual laughs> I was like, Shut down, settle down. They didn't even have security guards. They got the director trying to pull us apart. But if you watch that fight, mate, it's an absolute street fight, like a nightclub fight on a Saturday night. I think he elbows me, headbusts me. I tried and spear-tackle him out of the ring. And that that was the first real 30 seconds of the round. But after that, I actually I got in his head, and I was oh, I boxed pretty good, and I won that fight. But... I think that was uh, when I stamped my authority in that contest, and I thought, fuck, he just knocked out a Queensland Australian, Australian, cha- Australian champion,
0: uh, Carney. Garney, I was going to say to you, Garth, I was actually yeah. at that fight. That was that a, first that, one. That, someone gave me someone gave do. me tickets to that first fight, and I remember it was maybe only fifty people in that you know that little room where they used to actually record it all. And you get that right hand—I don't know if it was like a Superman punch or something—and you knock this uh, guy out cold. He was out cold long, for like minutes. And Then they just shocked out
1: the, the whole competition. People thought, "He's this guy. Never heard of him. He's an ex-footballer. He's had four fights. He's a brawler, obviously." So. I did what I did to Victor Ogroff, right? And I won, but then I just, even though they thought, everyone thought, this is unbelievable. This place come from nowhere. And it's put me in the final. But some, the best thing about that contender, he got given another, I think it was four months before we come back to the final. And I fought is Koyuki. Mm-hmm. And I just really realized that, you know, this is what I was made to do. And I went to a trip to the U.S., all the real big um, African-American fighters who were similar to Careers because Careers was like 6'3 or something and he could box he Olympian so I spent a real massive prep over there and I just come back transformed and I, I regard that as my best fight in my ever, in my whole career the fight against Careers I, I was ducking I was weaving I was switch hitting I hit him and even his, his manager he's a good mate of mine now uh, Fidel Tekel but at the end of the fight they said split decision and he went he was like, he's a gentleman. He said, mate, I forgot you winning in the seat unanimous because I hit him, I dropped him in the second round. The rest didn't put a count on him. I hit him with absolutely every punch I could hit him with. I think I only got hit once in the fight, and I was slipping and I was sliding, and I was like dodging raindrops. And that was my best, My best, I reckon, my best fight to come from where I'd come from, being a brawler, a street kid, you know, a down-out kid, and just to transform into fighting blank who's top ten in the world. He was actually offered a, uh, a world title, the week before the fight and Fidel oh, no. actually said to me he goes mate we thought you were going to be a walker we said nah stuff the world title we're going to take the 250,000 and fight shock mundane gas gonna be a walk yeah. in the park and then that that actually made me and Fidel become he's my best mate now and I've been my manager um, the way he took defeat and he said to me he goes mate I don't know, if you know what the judges are talking about I had you winning unanimously it's a joke but anyway well done Mate, he ended up being my manager after the Mundine fight because I couldn't get a fight because I'd knocked Mundine out. I've only had eight fights. I couldn't get a fight. No one wanted to fight me. So he had connections with a lot of people around the world. He's a very smart cracker. He got me a fight against Gill. So it's, it's great how you make some really good friends. He would be a mate for life with me. But uh, when we sum it up, my favorite fight, people would probably think I'd say Mundine. But Mundine, yeah. Because it was such a big journey for me contender. turned up, blessing from, you know, up above just for me to get pulled into the contest, me for to turn my life around. The whole transformation being a brawler and fighting career career, that's my favorite fight of my whole career. It's uh, uh, it's, uh, something I'll never forget, the whole contender experience.
0: Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Garth Wood. If you haven't yet and you're a first-time listener to the show – be sure to check out some of our other episodes. We've had some great ones with the likes of Mark Hunt, George Cambosis, Andrew Eddinghausen, Bradley Clyde. The last few have been basketball-related in Shane Heal and Leroy Loggins and some other past great superstar swimmers such as Kieran Perkins and Michael Klim. So check out the back our catalogue and let me know what you think of the show. Best way to connect with me is Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. We can find me on Facebook at either Tristan or or Talking With TK. But for now, let's get back to the show with Garth Wood. Hey, Garth, I want to ask you about your style because you've got a very unique style where you kind of, your right hand, you're very tucked in and it's kind of pour out, and then your left hand, you kind of pour it out, just a little bit out, more unusual than a normal boxer would be. Who, Who taught you that style?
1: mate no one really you know what like, because i had to think fast on my feet walking in the contender and it's fun it's easier to say oh if i'd been fighting all my life like i did for playing footy i didn't have a great amateur career I, I started boxing and the thing was when i left the tigers which was in British career would it might have been 201 or something like that i they had eight or seven fights but if i was able to not looking back, you know, see everything up and Surrey. If I was able to, like you do with footy, go to an grade, start boxing at eight years old and just get all that amateur experience, who knows what would have happened. But to be honest, it is what it is. I just made the thing fast with my style. And uh, I walked in the contender, everyone had all these experiences and all this amateur experience and all background. I just come in from being a street fighter. i more or less did my amateur. All my amateur or my apprenticeship on the street, so I just took a bit of this. I like that bloke's uppercut, I like that Blake's hook, and I just took a bit of this style, his style, and made it me out It was quite unique, but yeah, I don't know. I had some success with it, but. If I had my Not way hard. again, if I had my kid, if I had, a bro- if I had a son, which I don't have two daughters, I'm Blessed with two real good kids, yeah, you got to start boxing at a young age because you can pick up some uh, bad habits. And you got to... You look at all the good Cuban fighters, or all, all the good American fighters now. They've been boxing or fighting since about eight or nine, ten years' age. And, um... I, I wouldn't change anything, But Yeah, if I had my way to do it again, I would, uh a lot earlier so a lot younger but i come from an area where I was either box fight or get yourself into trouble so yeah. I took what I can out of my and I made it as much as I
0: could I made the best of what I could Hey Garth take me to the Mundine fight now because you know they tried to get do everything to get out of that fight they dropped you the middleweight they are going to give you 200 grand to avoid fighting Anthony did that give you confidence that maybe they weren't, well, either underestimating you or they were scared of you?
1: Mate, I grew up with Anthony Mundine and even though he was, a, like, I looked up to him, he was a, little, like, a couple of years older than me and um, he could do anything. He's from Redfern you know, he could play basketball, he could play football, he could box. So I was fond of him and, mate, I actually knew a lot about him, what his personality was. And I thought to myself, Sort of when I fought uh, Victor Ivanov, because he was they were such a world class athlete, I, was, I thought, I'm just going to get in his head. So when it came to the first initial um, meeting with him and Koda with me and my old man, they pulled the pin on the fight. They said, oh, the fight's off. My old man said, what? I said, yeah, fight's off. We're not fighting you. And I'm sitting there and Dad says, yeah, we'll see we'll you. See the arse off. We've got all the papers. Harold, uh, Telly, this and that, you'll be fine. I was no, just playing the game. And
0: they
1: said, oh, ah, yeah. fair enough. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll fight him at middleweight. And that's a No fucking way. It's super middleweight. And he goes,
0: we'll give you another
1: 100,000 if you come to the middleweight. So obviously, they wanted the tables. You know what I mean? They wanted to head start, to jump on me because I was playing football. A couple of years before at 87, 88 kilos and even getting the super middleweight was tough for me. So that extra four kilos was, and I knew that from now, it was like burning the candle at both ends and then expecting to perform at 100%. It's, it's pretty tough and that's why I stayed in boxing or that's why I got in and got out in boxing so quickly because it's too taxing on the body. You know, uh, for men drop to 20, uh, 72 kilos at lose 16 or 17 kilos each prep, it's just too toilet to actually on the body. You know, the last oh, yeah. three or two days, it was just more about dropping fluid or water. So I have to cut my water out for two to three days. And then when your the hydration sets in, you can't even speak English. You don't even know what you're doing, where you are. You have to get lifted on the scales. It was too tough. But I think the fact was, because you're such a big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I said to him when I walked out, I said, man, I'll fight you on birth who cares about the scars? I said, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to be the first Australian to, to knock you out. And I knew from then, I saw it in his face. I just I could mentally had to fucking to have any chance of beating him. And you'll see you know, some of the press conferences leading up on this in his head. I'm saying to him, he's young, you know, similar to Harry Dawson. What's that snobber? He goes, what, what are you talking about? I go, you haven't hit yourself Fuck, poor John. <laughs> <laughs> so, because I was just, had to to get lucky, nothing fucking fazed me. I couldn't give a fuck. That's what fucking got to him, I reckon. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't a fluke, but I had to back it up. I had, to, you know, we brought some of the best sparring in. And there was one stage there. We we're doing fifteen rounds, and or one of them, or leading up to one would be fresh. They'd do four, One would do four rounds. The next would get in. They'd do four rounds. The other one would do four rounds. And I was already doing training sessions in, early in the morning, so I was already spent. But I was on my own and I, was, I don't think I no one would have beat me that night, even Mike Tyson. I just had my mindset that this was gonna turn my life around forever and I was just that committed to the preparation and just you not left any rock unturned, so it was uh it was a good test for myself but I think partly the reason why I knocked it over because I do chop. grew up in the same level but I knew how to really get in. His head. And I think it's more or less doubt himself because I you know your thoughts control your life and if you start thinking especially in the ring if you start thinking negative things like, or oh, just like you might get me all that hurt boom 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 you can bring anything to life you know what I mean it just mm. doesn't matter yeah, yeah. to are in boxing but especially in boxing in business if you've got positive thinking like you'll bring things to life if I clip someone and think oh, I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna knock him out I'll do exactly that in the ring a bad shot and then all of a sudden I myself suddenly enough I'm on the canvas for a 10 count and I, I realised that in boxing a lot quicker than anyone else that you learn so much about yourself when it comes to boxing you want to watch someone in the ring you can tell a lot about their character or who they are you know what I mean if yeah. they're ready to go all lengths flick a switch be prepared to die in the ring that's exactly what I was willing to do because I asked People think I had nothing riding on it. And Chuck out my riding on it. I said, deep down I'll soul searching. I don't know how easy I could get back to that bad fucking neck of the woods where I was before content. I didn't want to go back there. And this was going to set me up for my life, rest of my life and my kids and get my kids, you know, be in their role model again. Because I I was, I beat myself up a lot just in day-to-day things and I expect more of myself. And I just... I wanted to challenge myself, and so I really wanted to do. You know, I'm a big golfer now, always have been, but I had a, a dark stage of my life for a, some time, and then I was just given an opportunity, and I had to get back on the page where I, what I'm really all about, and I was tested, and I could come on the trumps for the Monday, hopefully, you know, you know, this week or this day might be suicide prevention. I went down that road, and luckily, I made my way out of it, but. I'm my um, ambassador for AOK Day. Yep. A great friend of mine, Gavin Larkin, who uh, started the first off, and AOK Day is coming up on Thursday. And I'm, I'm blessed every time I wake up that I never went down that road, but there's was, there was times there where I, constantly, where I actually considered going that way out, you know, but I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'm suffering from bipolar now but people get in situations where they're mentally you know on eight ball and they start down themselves but I think mental I'm not a, a professional on the actual thing but I've tasted to that and I think a lot more has to be done for you know depression mental illness so some people just go through dark, dark, dark chapters in their life and they can climb out and I was one of those people I said but, it's actual people who wake up every day and medicine's not helping them. You know what I mean? So you always just got to think, mm. that's what AOKA is all about. You know, you just always think about the person next to you, if they're okay. You don't quite know what they're going through. So I was going through the same thing. I think there's just got to be a lot more awareness for depression and suicide. It's a big, I think, it might be eight or three people a day I think their lives in Australia. I think it's 3,000 people a year so it's big numbers and it shouldn't be swept under the because I was you know that Aussie nature of all, I don't let them find out, that smile don't let them that hurt you It know I was always in that manly way in Australia that they show you of your emotions you know right? That's why I was calling out to a lot of people but didn't want anyone to think that I was weak or this and that but then great thing Johnny Lewis was thinking I mean give me a phone call but he also knew what I was going through against I know what you're doing, don't lie to me, but here's a chance you turn your life around. I'm not saying say you're going to win it, but, you know, you've got daughters, you, you're going to be a role model, mate, this could be a chance you turn your life around. And that's yeah. how good Johnny Lewis is. Uh, he hasn't just done it to me, he's done it for a lot of things in the neighbourhood, especially they actually walk through the dugout. Police boys, we're in the same situation all they need is someone to come and talk to them and say mate this is what you're going to do are you alright can I help you that's what AOK Day is all about so if I can just put that in the interview don't forget AOK Day is on the 14th Thursday I'm sure it is if I uh, yep. talk to a work colleague or a family member if you haven't spoke to them for a while just ring them up say how are you everything okay I haven't spoken to you are you okay so I just thought I'd we got talking about me and what my love is. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I'll, I'll
0: put it on the website how too, how buddy. My
1: life around. Yeah, how I turn my life around and Johnny Lewis, uh, I don't think he actually knew just how much it meant to me because he always cares. That's a good example about asking someone for a day he did it in a different way where, he, you know, I was calling out for something and he forwarded me straight away and he said, I know what this kid about. out and beast. I know he's capable of he gets his head straight. So it's more or a found me a
0: lifeline in more more ways than any,
1: but
0: that's exactly what Hey, OK, is all about. Hey, Garth, did you ever use, like, even go further and maybe go to a psychiatrist or anything like that as well?
1: Did
0: I ever think about going to one? Yeah, did they? Because obviously you're probably in a lucky situation where you turn your life around yourself in the actual ring. But, you know, with, with us talking about Are You Okay?" And I know that... A lot of my friends have been talking about, you know, seeing professional help and things like that as well. Did you ever experience going to that kind of next level? Um,
1: yeah, I never actually needed to, which was yeah, probably, I'm not sure, well, I didn't, probably, didn't really get that far because I was either, I'm more like, bull terrier. you know anything about bull terriers? <laughs> so, <Sorry> the <to say, laughs> you know, bull terrier, I was brought up with a bull terrier and they absolutely just hammer themselves. They rub the shit out of their arm. I bite their feet. They listen to that. I'm or less turned it around on myself and just abused myself on the piss and this and that and beat myself up. And then, I know it's a weird story to put it around, but I'm more or less just abusing myself more than anyways before I went and asked for help. And then, being that Aussie way about, you know, no one says that they're hurt, or that it it's not. Come my heart help! I'll be right. I'll take care of myself. I'll be okay. I was, you know, I don't know if everyone's like that, but you try and you're a little bit ashamed of letting anyone know that you're in a bad place. I just abused myself with the alcohol and walked up and down, looking to get myself into trouble because it's going to be around, which is not the right way to go about it. And I was just blessed. I always made that phone call, and then like now, if I don't train because it's been a part of my life for so long, I start not getting depressed, but I just beat myself up and that on that cloud night. So I make yeah. it, you know, compulsory or uh, it's a must that I have gotta train every day to get your uh, your natural vibe, you know, so get myself back in mindset because it's stuck my bottom. So. I was grateful that I didn't have to go see a shrink or anything. If I really had to, I'd think think of it now if I got myself back in the face, I was going to talk to someone rather than hit the booze and put myself in harm's way. So I didn't have to really go and see a doctor or a professional, but looking at it now, you know, if I hit hit rock bottom again, I'd go and see a a specialist. I I actually did see a sports psychologist at times, and I didn't really, because he wasn't looked upon as um, a doctor. he worked up in alcohol, and he'd been a lot of this and that. I and mean, just a friend of mine, a couple of boys, a couple of footballs I got in front of me he just talked to me, he just made sense of everything. You know, where I was just always paranoid about what everyone thought, and I was a bit like that as a kid growing up, playing potty, you know, making a tackle out a game, kill them, and always think about what everyone else thought. I've got two daughters now who are, I think, a little bit in the same situation with all that social media, and everyone likes likes, and how I many likes I getting thinking, what am I going to wear, this and that, where I was a bit like that as well when I was playing footy, I was playing first grade, and then, because I was such a cutthroat business, and I was thinking, Harry, okay, play a good game, but then someone's going to fill your spite and, you spot, you don't live up to expectations, or someone going to your position just, uh, week by week, uh, I think it was bad for me back then but it's still a bit I think it's 10 times most of these days my kids growing in this era with Facebook Instagram yeah, whatever you know it's all about likes being accepted but um, the main question was uh, going to see a shrink if I ever went down that path again I don't know if was bulletproof I probably would see them, like, the people professional so they wouldn't I'd know how to go back down and abuse myself for alcohol, alcoholism or, you know, beat myself up or keep it to myself, I'd, I'd call out and get a professional or tell someone, you know, because mm-hmm. no one's bulletproof. Okay? Even though it's just the trait that you then let anyone know or keep it to yourself, pity you close to your, your chest. Um, you are going to fall over to pick yourself up. I've done that. So I know that uh, there's no guarantees in life anything's possible. I could you again, but, yeah, I'm good to hear that. I surely speak to some who professional. I wouldn't go out and abuse myself like I did before. You know, be uh, put myself in harm's way where you consider doing some foolish things where I'm not quite one to talk on it, but a lot more people are gonna suffer if I was to take off and you know. My family, my mother, my kids. You know, a lot more people suffer than just me taking off So That's what I'm aware of now. I'd, I'd, I'd strongly talk to a professional. I wouldn't be doing the shit that I got to before, but, yeah. you learn, you know, if you ask me, what I, what I thought, I, when I was 18, you old, I thought I knew everything, I was king shit, then when I turned 23, 24, I was thinking, fuck, what was I thinking, 28, 28 30 even now, I'm 39, and I still think, fuck, I know nothing about the real world, or getting out there, and, you know, I'm in, about to walk into a new chapter, in my life, and, I'm, I'm not boxing, anymore, but you can teach an old dog, new tricks, you know, and there's, you shouldn't be so nice that oh, oh, when you're a kid grew up in that world, you just thought, you're king fit, you're too smart for everyone else, but little did I know, you know, I was about to become a father. You know, I have two daughters, yeah. and then become a boxer. Now I'm about to try and be a, um, walk into a business. So I'm about to do a financial mortgage business, because I trained Mark Boris, and he's become more like a mentor for me. And
0: yeah, nice you know, I
1: left school wow. at a young age, and I didn't get the great schooling because I thought I was going to play football the rest of my life my schooling wasn't that great but now i have self-taught and put myself through a course financial mortgage broking and he's become he's just a great friend of mine and he loves for the fight game he's had a couple of corporate fights and mate, he can handle himself he's a knockabout he grew up in Bankstown and he's a he's a real good guy you know he takes the time to look out for me and try to advise me in this and that but um, he's been a big fan of mine for a while and I treated my family he's a real good guy
0: yeah, well, you know, you're doing a lot of things right, and I think that's why people are backing you. you know, you've got, like you said, Mark's backing you. Back in the day when you were boxing, you had guys like John Singleton backing you as well, man. So I think your ability to bring people together is probably underestimated by yourself, buddy.
1: Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> but I'm just enjoying the ride that I'm in with life. You know, I'm learning new things about myself and my daughters, I think my daughters have been my biggest wake-up call, my biggest achievement ever. So it's just great to see them become women, you know, and they carry themselves well. And I see that their ethic and work ethic and they love, they love playing their sports and they play, yeah. I've always played OzTag and Touch since kids. Now that they've made women's rugby union and rugby league a contact sport, they've put their hand up, they can't wait. So, and they're always asking to do extras and they want to train and want to do show, I can just share with them the do's and the um the rights and the wrongs with um especially with sport you know eating the right foods and training and taking yourself serious and not you know getting caught up with the wrong crowd I'm all for it
0: yeah hey Garth, something I'm really loving man is your role on the fight call out man it's it's a great show <laughs> serious
1: mate we're enjoying ourselves you know what we're just trying not to take ourselves too serious if we're covering a lot. There's a lot of content there. We've got domestic fighting and then we got international fighting. There's, um, it's how did a real that come good... Uh, funnily enough, guess who? Johnny Lewis mentioned me to uh, Adam Watt. And then they said, Johnny Lewis said, mate, this kid, you know, he knows how to talk to me, I keep doing the impersonation of Johnny, but I always have. You know, he does that. Mate son what's going on I see you said Adam I tell you you would be right up that right up the alley for that Garford, mate he knows how to talk he can tell a story he's a larrikin he's got a relaxed approach to things he you knows boxing boxing saved his life so and that now I, I, I love the UFC as well I just love fighting in general but it shouldn't be us versus them but it is when it comes to background business but I just love looking at it watching a good stink and I just love following boxing throughout the world and demand some really good fighters in the Australian ranks that are coming around now especially in the middleweight ranks and uh, if I can just share my knowledge and my um, love for the game in that fight callout, mate all is good and well it's just it's hard. It's a hard gig staying on TV with them. Not, not a hard gig but you know what he's trying to get sponsorship for fight call which is um, it's a it's a new look at boxing I wish it was in boxing when I was around You've got the opportunity The fighters to call someone out, or even the fans, they say who they want to see fight. So Adam's come up with that, and we're just trying to get sponsorship to put it on Foxtel from week to week. So if you can help us out, we're just looking for some people to uh, help us put it on there, because I think it's, uh, it's it's a good cause. To, to oh, it's, a, it's uh, a great
0: concept can you imagine when you were fighting if you had the opportunity to call someone out and it's just a great way to because Fox Sports obviously has got big coverage so more and more people are watching it
1: exactly mate i tell you what if it was around when I was fighting it would have been good uh, and like the thing the facts are that the fans can say what they want to say and then if it gets a little bit more um, people talking about the fall we'll maybe continue to a big fight but,
0: um, hey Garth, who, who would uh, you have called out? <laughs>
1: I wasn't one to call people to fight out but if I had to do it again I would have liked to have um, fought Benny Green because he liked to fight the best they take it the wrong way I think he's a good guy I don't actually like him but when you're in that sport and the fact that there's like a Love triangle between I knocked Mundine over. Danny Green got beat by him. Well, let's see how Garf and Danny Green go against each other. I wouldn't want to fight him at middleweight because, I, well, the way they fought at the last fight, him and Trump, that would have been a good way to fight it. But take nothing away from Danny Green. When I just walked in the box, aisle I thought he was. I thought he was going to knock over Mundine in the first fight. So he was an absolute weapon. But it's never going to happen. But like back in the day. I would have liked the four Benny Green to test myself just to see what happened given the fact
0: that it was a love triangle between the three of us. Yeah. Okay, Garth, a couple of personality <laughs> ones just to wrap things up.
1: Before yep.
0: a fight, did you have any superstitions?
1: Yeah, you know what? Early on I did. <laughs> mm, I've always watched, I love movies, right? I love movies. I'd always watch, um, movies I'd always watch. Obviously watch I liked Rocky Free out of all the best, all the best ones. Him and Apollo, you know, the eye of the tiger, and
0: he goes yeah, back. A couple of uh, yeah,
1: yeah, That's it. And the Apollo took him back to his gym, to all the African American fighters. He goes, "You know, look at that guy. You see the eye of the tiger, he and he hasn't got a rock." And he turns him back. into I used to love watching Rocky Three and I'd always wear business socks because I meant business when I got in the ring. So I wear my business <laughs> socks under these <laughs> under these boxing boots, and. Uh, I can always wear Cozzies, because I wore my Cozzies my Speedos football. When I play my football games, I wear Cozzies underneath my trunks, so I wear my <laughs> blue Cozzies, Speedos, but I would also wear my business socks.
0: All right, Garth, I'm going to take you back to your childhood. What posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up, man? Oh,
1: I had Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, 1987.
0: Oh, what a pair.
1: That was a great fight.
0: Definitely. All right, last question. Garth, you're going to be hosting a private dinner party? You've got five invites. Now, only rules no family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite?
1: Muhammad Ali, guaranteed. Uh, just because of what he's done, not just in boxing, but like at that time, the movement, 1960s, racial, Vietnam speak for a lot of people over there in that country, but I'm not saying you know the Yellow Man didn't do anything. The man like the other Vietnam, he was that intellectual, uh, way ahead of his times. And given the fact where he come from, I just post that many things on Muhammad Ali. I'm just coming up with all these different things, just the way he's got poems, and just the way he's uh, articulate. Definitely him first. I'm a great yeah. lover
0: he's on of movie. As well.
1: Yeah, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I love <laughs> <laughs> uh who else would we bring? We'd have to bring a female. We need the looks to pun a bit of my candy, maybe, you know? <laughs> uh, let's have a think. Jesus. I used
0: to have Pamela. man. Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah. I'm a J J-Lo man. I love Jenny from the block.
0: I, love I a bring J L to
1: dinner.
0: Yeah. How we got? We've got one left, is it? That's
1: four? Yeah,
0: one left, brother. Uh, Nelson Mandela. Nice. I like it. That's my my five. All right, Garth, before I let you go, mate, I want everyone following Garth Wood on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. His handle is at GarthWood13. Beautiful. And if anyone wants
1: to come down to some pizza with me, at Titans Gym, at you? You know where to find it.
0: Absolutely. It's a great gym. Titans Gym... And what, what do you usually train in the mornings, afternoon, Garth?
1: Mate, I'm doing some hit classes there and some boxing classes morning and afternoon. I've got a hit class Monday afternoon at 6.30, and then I've got the boxing classes at 6am Thursday, 9.30am Friday, but then I'm just PTing upstairs. So if you just want to do a one-on-one with me, build muscle, or even just do some boxing, just hang out, have a laugh, go and have a coffee. You
0: know where to find yeah. me. <laughs> definitely. Hit him up because there's no better guy that you can train with. And as you you know, we've had 50 minutes of stories, so I'm sure he can definitely give you a few oh, stories. I'm a along story, way as well.
1: I'm a good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Garth on man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, bud. All right, beautiful.
1: My pleasure. Anytime
0: for you. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode with Garth Wood. All the details about are you OK will be in the show notes, but if it's in front of you now, please check out their website, www.ruok.org.au. You know, as Garth said, it could be as simple as having a, you know, a great conversation with one of your, your good friends and just sticking out for them, making sure they're okay. So just, you know, if you can and you see someone down, please, you know, get out there and make sure that, you know, they've got someone to speak to. Next on the show, we've got Carlton Great, Anthony Kutafidis, so look out for that episode coming early next week. And we've also got Dave Reynolds, the V8 supercar driver, on as well. If you want to get in contact with me, best way is either Facebook. I'm Tristan Cannell, or Talking With TK. Or send me a quick note at E on my email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com. But until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.